0: And this morning I'm going to talk about in a fresh way, yokes and, and how they're very personal and given by Christ to each, each individual. So in other words, no one, no one has the ability to yoke a, in another individual up with Christ. It has to be the submission of a will in that individual to Christ to have that yoke be effective. Because there are bad yokes, obviously, And of course, the only good one is the one that we have from Christ. So I'm going to read just three scriptures here this morning. This is Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 12, verse 1. Remember now your creator. That's very interesting, right? Remember, that's a key word. Remember when? Now your creator. In the days of your youth, now that can mean, of course, as young people, and I, I do believe that because it's critical, especially and very important for those that are young to have these truths and, and have them to be experienced by receiving and giving the will over to a personal, individual yoke with Christ. In the days of your youth, it can also mean, too, no matter how old we are, in the sense that we're all the children of God by faith in Galatians 3 verse 26, that even us old folks don't know anything like we quite ought to as children. So we're still gonna grow. So remember now your creator in the days of your youth. Look at what it says, while the evil days come not. So in other words, God gives us truth. He gives us the word. Okay, And it can even be, in this sense, the young part of the time, the early time, the time when the light of the scriptures in John 12, 35 and 36 are there, and they're there for a little while, and they're very important, before the evil one comes in and starts to affect us. So we're to remember Our creator in the days of our youth, while the evil days come not, look what it says, nor the years draw near, when you will say, I have no pleasure in them. So in other words, God wants to deliver us from evil, right? Remember the the prayer, the, the disciples' prayer, deliver us from evil. You'll see that in the sixth chapter of Matthew. And again, not, don't, don't deliver me in temptation. Deliver me from temptation. Because temptation always has to do with evil. Testing always has to do with the faithfulness of Christ based upon the work that he's finished in us. So, the years that draw nigh, when you will say, I have no pleasure in them. I did it. I submitted to the evil because I threw off the yoke. Why don't? they remember why don't we remember at times the truths that are ours in christ why because experientially not never positionally can we throw off the yoke but experientially we throw off the yoke we lose the supernatural ability of christ to keep us experientially in the same way he does positionally by throwing off or refusing restraint the godly, loving restraint. So that's Ecclesiastes 12, uh, verse 1. And then we look at Lamentations chapter 3, verse 21. This I recall to my mind. Look at what it says in verse 20. My soul has them still in remembrance. See? And when I continue to remember through restraint, the yoke, I'm continually in a safe place. And the safest place that we can be is when God humbles us. And then he gives us the grace, the grace that secures his love in us and makes us very stable, especially in this world system and the time that we as the church are in right now. So my soul in Lamentations 3.20 has them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. This I recall to my mind. Therefore, I have what? I have hope. And hope for the Christian, again, is the fact that Christ is in us in Colossians 1, verse 27. But I can lose the experience of a proper hope, which has to do with a proper image of who I am in Christ, if I cast off experientially the restraint of the loving yoke that God has for me and has for each of us in our own individuality. I cannot yoke you up to Christ. I can because I can submit my will. You can do that too. And only you individually can do that through the will being given over to the yoke of restraint of Christ's love for us. Verse 22. It is of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed. We can't be consumed in our position in Christ, but we certainly can. In our experience apart from the yoke. That we are not consumed because what? His compassions fail not. And that always has to do with the depth of his love. It's a compassionate love. In other words, he's always doing something in us experientially based upon what it's already done for us in our position in Christ. That's why it's vital to know position and experience. That's why it's vital to know standing our standing, based upon Romans 5, 1 and 2, uh, our standing in our state, which has to do with our condition or our present experience. And these are key things to understand. Verse 23, they are new every morning. Okay? Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. can only say that properly with a yoke only therefore will i hope in him i will continue to hope in him who is my hope and i won't be moved because he can't be moved verse 25 the lord is good unto them that wait for him And the word wait is synonymous with the word trust trust has to do with obedience obedience has to do with the will submitted to the yoke of god's loving restraint He's good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that what? Seeks him. Proverbs eight seventeen says, I love them that love me. What's that? That's experience. I love them that love me. What's our love? Return to him. It's obedience. Proverbs eight seventeen says, I love them that love me. And those that seek me early, youth, early part of the day, first part of the day, those that seek me early will what? Will find me. Can we find any better treasure than him? Again, in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, we have that treasure in these fragile clay jars, yes. And all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in him. In Colossians 2, and verse 3. Verse 26, it is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the deliverance, the salvation of the Lord. See what it's teaching us? Can we wait and trust without a yoke? No, we just can't do it. It'd be like the ox, trying to function on its own without a yoke. (laughs) And remember too, Jesus never needed a yoke based upon the type of which he is the anti-type of fulfillment. And that, that type is in Numbers 19, verse 2. Not only was it to be a spotless and blameless, sacrificial animal in the type, but it never had a yoke. He never needed restraint. We certainly do. He had a human nature. He didn't have a sin nature. We have both. <laughs> he never needed a yoke. We certainly do. So it is good that a man should both hope and quietly, restfully wait for the deliverance, the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. Oh, boy. That speaks of a continual, continual, proper, normal Christian lifestyle. That's what that speaks of. So, so what is hope? Hope, what hope... What? When we see it here, right? Is quietly waiting. And that is when the yoke is most needed. Most needed. When do we not need it? When should, let, when should we be left up to the flesh, the evil world system, and the evil one himself? Constantly, we need to be yoked up to him again this is experience we have it in our position most needed in growth in second peter 3:18 in our experience right and that is very very personal and we're going to see how personal it is in matthew the 11th chapter and look at verse 27 all things are delivered unto me how many things So even in the sense that evil, having been dealt with properly, is that all things too. As well as all the things that are true of him and us, and us and him. All things are delivered unto me. What? Look at what it says. Of my father. Of my father. And no man knows the son. Boy, this is incredible. No man knows the Son but the Father, and neither knows any man the Father except the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal. Can he reveal him the truth of my position in my present experience apart from the yoke? Do we remember apart from the yoke? As soon as we cast that off experientially, do we remember properly who Christ is in us, and who we are in him? The answer is no, because we're left up to the flesh. And the flesh, okay, we know in Romans chapter 8, verse 7, is a constant, settled, strong feelings of hatred towards Christ. Because we know where we got that flesh from, and thank God we're no longer of it in Romans 8, 9. It's in us, but we're no longer of it We're of Christ, and that's why we need the yoke. And that's what does away with the false teaching of one naturism or the false teaching of the exchanged life. Now, all things, in Matthew 11, verse 27, are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knows the Son. No man. No man properly. The believer doesn't properly know the Son apart from experiencing him, and there's no proper experience apart from the yoke. No man, no man knows the Father except the Son, and he to whom the Son will reveal him. Now, this is why it says in verse 28, watch, watch the sequence. Come unto me. Do we hesitate when he calls us to come? Could that be very potentially Dangerous, Because do any of us know our way in Proverbs 14, verse 12, and in Proverbs 16, verse 25, and in Jeremiah 10, verse 23, do we know our proper way outside of Christ who is, in John 14, 6, the way, the way, Greek article, the way, this way, no other way, the truth, this truth, no other truth, and this life, this life, no other life. There's no other life to experience. You only exist in death, separated from him, apart, separated experientially, never positionally, apart from a yoke, which is absolutely needed. And again, that yoke has to do with a loving, compassionate restraint of a loving Savior. So come unto who? Me. Me. Remember we, we taught this in our relationships with each other? When we're troubled or when we feel like we're misunderstood by a certain individual, should I go to someone else first before I go to Christ? Never. We ought to go to him, okay? Why? Because in 1 John three twenty, does he know all things? Yes. Does he declare the end from the beginning in Isaiah 56, uh, 46, verse 10? Yes. Is he the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end? Is he he my beginning? Is he my my glorious end? Each of us? In Revelations 1, 8, 11 and 17, is that why it says, known unto God are all his works from the beginning? In Acts 15, 18, and does that have to do personally with each individual? It certainly does. So come unto me, Notice what it says, all you that labor. You're struggling, and this can mean struggling with an area of sin, which can be a stronghold. Should we keep coming to him? Should we keep coming as much as we can to hear the word, the very word that Christ is in his person and what he's accomplished in his work? Do we need to constantly hear and receive? Yes, every single one of us. So come unto me, all you that are laboring. When we labor about something, what should we do immediately? Hesitate? Try and deal with it on our own? Try and substitute, get something in so that we can escape it? The area we're struggling in? Or do we come to him immediately? Come unto me, all you that labor. And heavy laden means people putting false burdens and this false needs upon you. So you can hurt yourself, I can hurt myself with my sins, and then others can hurt me and put them on me, and they become a burden. Who's the burden bearer in Psalm 55 and verse 22? Who's the burden bearer in First Peter 5, 7? Should we cast all of our anxious care, these burdens, that aren't we were never meant to bear, because in Psalm 103, verse 14, he knows our frame. He knows what we can bear, what we can't. And and anything that Christ had to bear, we couldn't. That's why he had to do it. And when we try to bear them, then the enemy comes in in 1 Peter 5.8 and will like to slaughter us with these false burdens and these false needs. Again, trying to replace Christ from being a yoke on certain individuals. Which can we do? We can pray for one another, we can give another godly counsel, but we can't make them give their will over to Christ and have that restraining yoke. That's only something they can do. That's why we teach the only authority that we have is Christ. I have, by the grace of God, as a a pastor teacher, his authority to preach the word to lead individuals to their only authority, who's Christ. Right? Now, so come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you, what? Rest. Come. Don't hesitate your laboring and your own individual failures or sins or struggles. Yeah. The, the struggles of others that you've taken, taken upon yourself, which we never should have done. That won't even allow us to pray properly. Trying to make others' struggles become ours. And those other struggles that the enemy wants to make ours take us completely away from intimacy and fellowship and an experiential restraining, protecting, loving, compassionate yoke. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. Come. And I will. Whose will? Who fulfill all God's will concerning you and I individually? Well, he did in John 4, verse 34. His meat, his very sustenance, was to do, was to do the will of the Father and to finish the work, which he did on Calvary in John 19, and verse 30. He finished it. It's finished. What am I trying to finish? About me or about someone else? Another believer? No. Take, notice what it says, take my yoke. That involves a personal will and submission to be able to take. Take my yoke. When it says my yoke here, sometimes there's the false understanding through, in, through ignorance and through a lack of maybe proper teaching or, you know, continuing in proper teaching that somehow Christ had to have a yoke. He has this yoke around him and he's saying, come and yoke up with me. But when it says here, take my yoke, he's making that very personal to the individual. The yoke that he offers is very individual to the individual person in him. Very individual. See, no one can replace Christ in you. And you can't in someone else. But you certainly can fellowship around him based upon the facts in 1 John chapter 1, verses 1-4. to 4. Take my yoke, especially for you, upon you. Upon who? You as the individual. Upon you. And what? And learn. Notice what it says, of me. Of, constituted of the exact same substance. You will function in the substance of who you are in me when you take the yoke. When you take the yoke. See the sequence? Come, give your will over, rest, take upon you and then what learn of me that's just not that's just not perceptual knowledge that's experiential and that's what takes in the reality of a proper yoke take my yoke upon you and learn of me why for i am what meek and lowly i am gentle and humble in my very nature everything about me And you will find what? Rest unto your souls. Your self-consciousness won't rest in itself. It'll rest in me. Look what he says, from my yoke, the yoke that I have for you individually is what? Easy, why? Because he did all the hard. He finished the work, he did it all. My yoke is easy and my burden is what? Light, what's that? His burden is what? In one sense, to continue to love us experientially with a very compassionate, restraining love. Beautiful. Very, very beautiful. I wrote these things down quite a while ago. And God does what only he can do, the Holy Spirit, as he ties things together and correlates them like only he can do. He makes it very clear that Satan or me outside of a proper experience in the flesh, we try to mix sin with grace and grace with sin. Can't do it. You, you and I, and, and he can't do it. Not based upon any power, but based upon a lie. And the thing that I, that I know the least is what? Is what is most dangerous to us. Boy, think about those statements. Think about it. So there has to be a transmission, and we will get into this at a different time, there has to be a transmission of divine communication individually. It's very individual. There has to be that. Because otherwise we're going to function in the pride of the flesh, and in the pride of the flesh, in the flesh we have a reputation, and it's based upon a false image. And because if it's a false image, it's based upon a what? A lie, it's based upon a lie. Now, even in this sense, do we, each of us, remember without a yoke, based upon everything we've read and what God's given us so far? Do we remember apart from a yoke? Do we remember apart from a will being captured and held safe and secure right now by our creator, Christ? Do we? Of course not. We don't. When? Now it says, "Remember now, remember." We read that in Ecclesiastes twelve now, uh, verse one. Remember now, your Creator in the days of your earth, uh, of your youth, when evil will begin to compete with who you are in Christ. That's right. When do we need to remember? What does it say? Right now. So you hear truth, the light of truth, John twelve thirty five and thirty six. When should we obey, and what is obedience? instant obedience. Delayed obedience is what? It is disobedience. And is that dangerous? Yes. Without a question for any of us. When evil will begin to compete with who you are in Christ, or so when youth, the youth, the, per, the not only young in age, but the first beginning of the day, whatever it is, the youth, the new morning, the very new beginning as we wake up, When should we submit? When should we go? When should we be disciplined and prepared? When should that happen? Mm -hmm. Boy, right away. So, because before, because just what God has counsel for us, like he's giving us right now. And don't you think he will give us in his anticipative love, his anticipative love, give us the counsel, his gracious counsel, because he knows the enemy and how he can tempt us with evil in areas that we have, we're not even aware of. But he does. Christ knows, and that's why we need a yoke. So, when evil will begin to compete with with who you are in Christ, rather than with Christ in you in freedom. There's no freedom apart from a yoke. There's no experiential freedom Apart from an experiential yoke, and that has to do with the will submitted. Again, when you look in the first three chapters of Proverbs and then enter in places differently in that, in the book of Proverbs, you will see the neck. And the neck always speaks of the will. And it needs to have it. Where do you suppose the yoke goes? Where does the yoke go on the oxen who act in natural, instinctual, natural instinct? Where does it go? Right around their neck. And that's what we need. We need that. Otherwise, we will function just like animals with just a soul and a body. And everything becomes about me. And then it becomes about the body and there's where all the, the lusts and the attachments and the addictions come in. You know, Again, even the addiction that I need to constantly be reaffirmed by individuals about how God loves me, When is that a personal issue? We do, we can express it, but can I even receive the reality of it? Unless I have a personal, intimate relationship with Christ based upon a yoke, a personal yoke. So, again, they don't remember. Why? Because we said this, because they throw off the yoke. They throw off personal intimacy with his love. That's what even Jesus was speaking to the church in successive periods. We see that in Revelations, the second chapter. And look at what happens without the yoke of an intimate, personal love exchange. This is what happens. In Revelations 2, verse 4, he says, nevertheless, I have against you it doesn't say someone in the original he it's really strong i have this against you in the flesh not against who we are in him because you left your first love that speaks of the freshness continual freshness of love continually continually which means he has a continual fresh supply of his love for us, but we don't experience it when we're far away from him apart from a yoke and being yoked up to him. So nevertheless I have, I have against you this because you left your first love. Look what it says, remember, Ecclesiastes 12:1, remember, 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 listen remember therefore from where you are fallen can we fall in that position no how about our experience absolutely you'll see that in Galatians the fifth chapter in those first four verses of Galatians the fifth chapter for freedom's sake in verse one Christ has set you free so be free am I experientially free without a yoke and I'm not no one is none of us are Remember, therefore, from where you are falling and what? Repent. Change your mind. Make make a right, proper decision based upon the grace of Christ who's calling you back into an experiential right relationship. And sometimes it has to be this chastening. And he does that in love. That's why we say chastening, no matter how hard it seems to be, is the comfort of his love. We know that in Proverbs 3, 11 and 12. We know that in Hebrews, the 12th chapter, verses 4 through 11, and then it goes into the shaking in 24 to 29 of that same chapter in Hebrews, the 12th chapter. So what we see is this. Remember, therefore, from where you are falling and change your mind, make an about face, repent, and do the first works. mean our works? or submitting to his will who finished the work in obedience. The first works here always speaks of obedience, not what we do, what we receive that's already been done, because what can we do without him who's done it all? In John, the 15th chapter, verses 1 through 5, especially verse 5, without him we can do what? Nothing. Without him, without an experiential yoke, What can we do experientially that would be right? No, nothing, no thing. And no thing can replace him. No material thing can replace him. No, it cannot. Because he has made himself, God has made Christ to us irreplaceable. Because it is the best that God the Father could even ever offer to a single individual. It's his very best very best. It's the most unique thing in all of eternity. Do the first works or else I will come unto you when? Quickly. And will remove your candlestick out of his place except you repent. That's not talking about taking us out of our place in Christ, but out of our place as a proper witness to others. Because if it's not Christ we're revealing to him, them through a proper yoke and having that, the light that Christ is beaming out of us, what have we to give them? No. So he'll take it out. He'll put us aside. Believe me, he will do that. And not only in love for us, but in love for those that he is truly after. Remember, we're just a vessel we are to be a written epistle. This has to do with the yoke in 2 Corinthians, the third chapter in those first five verses, because if not, then we get into the other verses where the law becomes condemnation and death, trying to do something with the word apart from Christ and apart from the yoke. Even the gifts, and God was making this very clear to me, very personally, that even the gifts, even those gifts that he's given, Remember in Ephesians 4:8 wherefore he said when he ascended on high right to occupy his place he what he led captivity captive what's that mean he captured all of us with his love who were once captured by the enemy our wills were captured and held in bondage and we we would base everything about about our lives based upon a lie like things can replace christ you think he's still trying to do that with us he do everything he can he'll take he'll get any space that he can that's why we need to guard against it in ephesians 4 verse 27 we're to give no place to the devil and we certainly will experientially without a yoke and have and what? And gave gifts unto men. What that's that saying is, it's not the particular gift that he gave men to give to us. It's the men themselves who are attached to him as an under-shepherd, attached to him. The men themselves are that gift. Because if the man himself has those gifts in Ephesians 4.11 and he's not attached, attached, yoke, restrained, then what has he to give them? Does the gift function properly? Doesn't. Any gift that we may have, and by the way, every believer has at least one gift, one specific gift. You have it, everyone may take time to realize it. may take growth to realize it. But we all do. But that gift will not function properly. And the gift is not just, is given for Christ's glory and not just for the blessing of the individual, but in a local sense, in in, in a universal body sense, it's meant for the whole body. Without a doubt about it, right? So you purchase a gift on Christmas and then you give it. And is there joy in giving it? Is there joy in receiving it? Well, it must be teaching oneness and how we can function and have true fellowship with each other. And true fellowship in, the in, in two individuals means they're both yoked up and restrained and have Christ between them. That's fellowship. That's why the Bible teaches it in 1 John chapter 1, verses one through three, that fellowship has to do with Christ, alone. Not another thing. Not another single thing. So, the gift doesn't even function properly. So, the gift from God is what? Is it earned? No. Is it in any way earned? No. Can I earn degrees of understanding truths, spiritual truths? Is that ever in the Word of God? never that's why there's no such thing as a doctrine of what divinity (laughs) not never no man has ever come to the end of the conclusion of who god is in his deity and even in his divinity revealed in time it's not possible because there's only one god and he's sovereign he's above everybody no such thing as as doctors of divinity or masters or, you know, MDivs, masters of divinity. Instead of being mastered by he who is deity and divine, quite the opposite. So gifts from God are not earned. And do we operate in the gift to get something? In our gifts with each other? Is that functioning properly? Does it become a means of comparison? And would I use someone else's gift to compare with another one who has another gift? Would that be of God? And it could never be of God. And in that case, it wouldn't be for us. Okay? Others. Do we have a gift and do we present the gift so that others can sing our praises? Do we praise one person's gift more than another's? Does that even have to do with their gift or of our fleshly interpretation of it for our own benefit apart from Christ? God forbid that in any of us, and he does. (laughs) We just read it in Revelations 2. Because if we don't, we're not yoked up properly, then someone else will replace, which they can't do positionally but experientially, and become an authority to us. When you try to submit to one and try to win their love or their acceptance, You make them your authority. I make them authority. And they can choose to hurt me whenever they want. Is that who we are in Christ? (laughs) And it certainly is not. Again, fellowship in Christ is two individuals that are yoked up with him. And now you have an exchange. Now you have Christ between you. Take that into every relationship. Listen to this one. Especially in marriage. Marriage, scripturally, supernaturally, is based upon oneness. And there's a proper order and submission to that oneness. You will see that in the fifth chapter of Ephesians. You will see that brought out crystal clear in the 11th chapter of First Corinthians. You will see that teaching crystal clear in the scriptures. Okay? And I will see it with you continually (laughs) and grow in it continually with you. Could it be then that someone's only hope with a proper expression of the word of God in Ephesians 4.15, we are to speak the truth in what? Love. And who is love? God. Christ. Apart from him, what? You will use the scriptures for the irritation of the flesh. And trying to control someone when we ourselves are not even in control of ourselves, We've left proper control through a proper restraining yoke and and come under the control, truly you think of ourselves? No. No man is master. You can't serve two, Matthew 6, 24. It's either the enemy based upon the flesh or Christ and who we are. Someone's only hope may be that you reveal their wrong character and conduct but only speaking the truth in love. You see... You can't separate grace from knowledge, knowledge from grace, true knowledge, because there's no irritation in grace, only in the flesh. These things are very key in our understanding and in our growth. So, is there protection in love? And without the obedience and refusal of a yoke, can there be His love protecting us experientially? So, here it is, right? We have those yokes, and as we close this, we're to come unto him, me, that's personal. Come unto me, and then I'll give you rest. Rest is given, it's not earned. It can't be created. It must be given by him, experientially, for the yoke. Come unto him, experience given rest, through taking that personal yoke that he has for you as an individual, and the deep desire of his Intimacy with you based upon his person and what he's accomplished about you in his love. That's brought out in 1 John chapter 4, verse 17 and 18. And learn. Do we learn apart from a yoke? Do we? No. And the enemy will only use that knowledge, apart from experience, to hurt us. To keep us in bondage. And learn of me. Why? Because this is where gentleness is, and this is where humility is. Individually in Him and in us, based upon a yoke, and in this place you, you and I, will rest. Will rest. There will be rest unto what? Your individual souls. Very individual. You. So what does He do in the areas? He causes us in the compassion of His love to confront Him. He brings us to a place of confrontation. You wonder wonder why you you have confrontation in your relationships? Because there's not a oneness experientially. And each individual in the order of God, in the order of God must what? Must submit individually for that proper order to function. It's a must, it's emphatic. He must increase emphatic, but I must decrease emphatic in John 3.30 in the original. Emphatic, okay? My yoke, yours and me, for you is easy, and his burden is light. Because he's dealt with it. He's dealt with it, and thank God we have these things in Christ. And look, in the body of Christ, he is no respecter of persons. He's not. I can't replace you, your gift, your individual intimacy in Christ. You become a portion of a supply for the whole in that local assembly, as well as beneficially wherever I would go to a local assembly that would properly function where there would be two or three gathered together in his name his nature yoked up to his nature in Matthew 18:20 God is for us not against us in Romans 8:31 in Jesus name amen